Good morning. If you're first time here and you're new, my name is Andrew. I'm Pastor Andrew, Associate Pastor here at City Church. And I want to lay down some father wisdom since it's Father's Day. And I'm not quite sure if my message will be a Father's Day message as traditionally done. But um, one of the things was when my wife and I got ready to have our first son, when we were having our first kid, I was more into the tax break. Yeah, I wanted to know the tax write-off about this, you know? How many, how, how many, you know, how much, how much money's involved in this? You know, how many, how many packs of diapers and gallons of milk can we get with this tax break? And so I was all about that, while my wife was all about the clothes and getting all that stuff ready. And, but my wife's a kindergarten teacher, and so at that time, she had taken another little job in the summer and stuff there. And so in between there, well, announced to us, that kind of cut up into our taxes. So I didn't get my tax break. So then I just said, would put him back then if there's no tax breaks attached. And uh, wait till the, the better year with the taxes come along. And so that's that part. So dads, it may not be a tax break involved if you have a young one. The other thing I want to talk about is every girl wants to be a daddy's girl. Every girl wants to be a daddy's girl. And as fathers, you know, it's important that how we are with our daughters. One of the things was with my daughter, she was about five or six. And, uh, but before that, I'd, I was coming home one day in, in 105, they played this, uh, this guy was talking. And he was saying how men think that their biggest relationship is with their sons, because I got to teach him how to play baseball and be tough and do manly, manly things. And this is what he was saying. And, but he says, no, that's wrong. He goes, your daughter is your most important relationship. One, because you're the first man she's ever going to love. The first man that she loves is you. And in that, the man that she goes with is going to have a lot of dad traits. So most of you men who are with your wives, you know, on your ride home, so how many traits of your dad do I got? And she'll be able to tell you, you know. You may not like them and all, but, uh, but you do. And that's what it's about. And so I was learning that, and I heard this on the radio station that time. So again, my daughter was like five or six, and I'm getting ready for work and getting ready to go, and then she's sitting in the living room, and she has a baton. And so she's like, watch me, watch me, watch me. So she takes this baton, she throws it up in the air, but she doesn't try to catch it. So when it comes down, I giggle a little bit. And she's like, oh, and I said, no, honey, you got to pick it up and catch it, you know, throw it up and then catch it, reach to try to catch it. No, 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 no. So then she wouldn't grab it. And then I'm like, honey, you got to pick No, no, no. Then all of a sudden that radio show went off in my head about your daughter's your important thing. So then I'm like, oh, I just broke my daughter. Okay, I got to fix this. So I put my clothes down, then I go over and I'm like, look, honey, come on. So you got to pick it up. And you she no, no, no. And I said, come on, pick it up, pick it up. So then finally, you know, she's getting ready to pick it up. Well, now she doesn't know. But in our living room, there's this big picture window that we have in our living room. She doesn't know this, but that was her opportunity to break that window. And all I would have been doing was, oh, honey, that was so great. You were just wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> because it was like, whoo, I got her back, you know. But I learned in that. I really learned in that the power of my words over my daughter. And so I have to be conscious of that 
So fathers, I would give you that bit of advice. When you're speaking with your daughters and your wives, we really have to be conscious of our words because they are powerful to them and they truly matter. They can tear them down or they can lift them up. And I think God gave us the gifts that he gave us in order to lift them up. So that's my bit of little wisdom for fatherhood that I would pass along to you, and that is for free. All right. So now, I've spoken to you once about uh, head up and eyes forward to engage people when we walk, when we go places. Keep our head up, eyes forward, to engage in people, to say hello, because that's a Christian thing, to bring out Christianity in this. Now, if you don't have time, never say, how are you, if you don't have time. Because you may get the person like me. I'll start telling you all about my aches, my pains, my family drama, all kinds of stuff. And I know that ain't what you wanted to hear, but you did ask. So I'm just telling you that, you know. The other one is I've spoken about making room at the table, at our father's table that we have to make room for one another, to put up with things with one another, as people have made room for us at the table, at God's table. And it's just about, again, trying to be family, being community of God's kingdom and doing those things. Now, as I've spoken to you about those, I have one more to add into this. Not to judge. Not to judge people or situations. We judge people more than we're discerning. The church should be more about discerning than judging. But what we do is we judge because judging people is easy. To judge someone, it's just easy in judging people and situations because we just do that so easily and so free. When God was teaching this, it's a Tuesday night and we were here for prayer meeting. And so the prophetic team, it was a prophetic night. We have little themes in our prayer, prayer times. And so the, prayer t- the prophetic team worked the night. They led the whole night of the meeting. So then Pastor Tom is really a stickler about getting out of there at 8 o'clock. And it's about two minutes to 8, and the, the um, prophetic team is winding it all down. And then, uh, then Pastor Tom comes up, and it's two minutes to 8. Now I'm a little tired. I'm ready to go. And he comes up and he's, well, I'd be disobedient if I do this. And I'm like, oh boy, pastors, they just always got to get their minute, don't they? They just can't let the night in without me saying something, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay, here we go. So then Pastor Tom comes up and he's like, I'd be disobedient if I didn't do this and all this. And I'm sitting there like, oh, okay. So the night goes on. So Monday, Wednesday shows up and I have someone that I meet with and they were coming in to meet with me. But all of a sudden, I had, was checking the emails before they had gotten there, and this one email had caught my eye. And um, this person walked in when God was... So this email says, I am emailing you, Pastor Tom, I am emailing you to share my experience at the prayer meeting tonight. This is the first Tuesday meeting I've ever attended in years. On the way home from work tonight, I spoke with my wife, and she talked about going to the prayer meeting. As our conversation continued, I thought maybe I should go too. I must admit, I found it challenging to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit for most of the night. I prayed to God asking why it was difficult for me to feel what others appeared to be feeling. I seemed distracted and it really bothered me. 
A short time later, just before closing, a woman got up and prayed a blessing over the group. I felt an uplift in my spirit. I immediately had a vision of you and I playing football at Green Lake Men's Retreat. I've never been there, and I can't explain why this thought entered my mind when it did, other than that it was God. You were the quarterback, and I was the wide receiver. You knew for some reason that I could throw the ball deep, and I was left-handed. So you had me on the left side. In the huddle, you told me, get ready for a pass behind the line of scrimmage and use my judgment to pass a run. During the time, I could make out, couldn't make out anybody else on the field, but we had full teams. The play ended, and so did the game. We sat down and spoke during our conversation. You asked about my family, parents, and siblings, and I told you the wounds were, are deep. At that moment, the vision ended. You got up and at the prayer meeting and started to talk about the bud wound tight and how there is one or more people in the room who God had a message for. My wife took my hand because she knew this was for me. Your message hit me so hard it brought tears to my eyes. You were spot, you were spot on in every way. You talked about theology and everything seemed to be okay, but there is a wound, a hurt that has never healed, and I need to forgive. Last Sunday, I told my wife that I plan on writing my father a letter forgiving him and ending decades of pain for abandoning the family. Tonight, the Lord spoke through you directly to me on the way home. I shared what happened, and my wife said, that was God, he gave me the vision, and you gave me the words. I felt this was important to share with you. Now, I'm reading this Wednesday morning while Kevin's coming and he's sitting there waiting, but I am shrinking in my chair. I'm just getting small because as I'm reading this and I'm looking at that and the Holy Spirit is saying to me, and you just think you know everything, don't you? You just think you know, didn't you? You just knew what was going on, didn't you? You just knew, Pastor Tom just, you know? And I'm sitting here and I'm seeing God was at work. But I went off of what I saw and I made a judgment. And I'm sitting there. And then the Lord hit me with this. And he said it. And it was just like in a disappointing way. And he said, and you didn't even ask. You didn't even ask. By that time, can I go to my room now? <laughs> you know? And Kevin's sitting there and I'm like, you're going to pastor to me, please? I got nothing. I know nothing. And so God is showing me that judging things, judging things the way they see. And he's like, you didn't even ask me. It's to ask God to know things. So when things are going on in a church or somewhere, it's like if it bothers you, don't judge it as bad. Go before God. Go before God and discern it with him that he can help you judge rightly. Things are to be judged, but not on our own. We need to get next to God and ask him so that I can judge this thing rightly and that away. Definition of judge. One who makes judgment, such as a public official authorized to decide decisions, questions brought before a court. One appointed to decide in a contest a competition, an umpire, one who gives authoritative opinion, often capitalized, a tribal hero exercising leadership among the Hebrews 
after the death of Joshua. Again, it says authorized, one who's been appointed, authoritative opinion. Who has made us judge over people when we judge them? We've self-appointed ourselves as judge over people and in places and doing things. But here's the thing, we're absent of information when we make our judgment. That's why I have to be with God to discern the situation. See, like I said, to judge someone is it, simple. And in this process of living this out, as God has brought this to me, I have found out I is pretty judgmental. <laughs> I is. I show is. I start to look at people and brrr, holy smokes. Holy smokes. And I just make something of it. And then God's like, do you want to care about them? Do you want to care? There were some people one time, they were driving down the belt line. They were exiting off the belt line. And it was a young black guy and a young black girl or whatever. And I'm looking down there in the car and I'm just looking, oh yeah, they got their head, what they doing? Blah, 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 and all of this. Then I'm like, oh, they all kissing on each other. I mean, I, I just got a storyline going in the car by myself, you know? <laughs> And all of this, and I'm just all this stuff, and yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, one turn, I was like, oh my, I think that one a girl too. Oh Lord. And then the Holy Spirit's like, Andrew, follow them. Follow them. And then ask them about themselves. Ask them who they are, Andrew. Ask them what's going on. Well, wait a minute, Lord, wait a minute. I'm not, wait a minute, that's caring. That'll get involved. See, because that's why judging people is easy, because I can place a judgment and leave it there and walk away. But see, discerning with God, discerning with God, he takes me past the mass, he takes me over the wall, and then he shows me what's really going on. And then from there, he's like, here's how I can use you, Andrew. Here's what I can do through you and with you in this situation. But you see, that, gosh, that's like, well, that's going to mess with my stuff. So judging is just easier. But God is saying, it's not that. Who appointed us? Who gave me authorization? In Luke 12, Jesus is in the crowd with people, and he, was doing, he had, did a little of a sermon here in Luke 12, 13. And then in that crowd, someone says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator over you? Again, even Jesus knew I had not been appointed yet for that. You see, it's an appointment of being given that. And then it's when people give you the authority to be judged, to be, to be judges. You have to be careful how you walk and talk with them. You can make them feel like you're passing judgment on them. When we give ourselves the authority to be people's judge, I can make this call because I know best. I can do this about this person. I know what's going on. Because when people give you authority as a judge over them, then you got to be careful as pastors or whatever position you may be in. Because the thing of it is, then people are very careful, careful of what I say because, oh, are you judging me? Are you thinking me? You know, because then people can get offended in thinking that you're judging them and what you're saying and how you're going about it. So I have to be, you have to be very careful in what you're doing 
And again, so it's I need to be with Jesus to discern situations, to discern the, the authority that they have given me and that he has given me, to know how to walk this out, to know how to do this. It's with Jesus and to discern with the Holy Spirit. Definition of judgment, the process of forming an opinion or evaluating by discerning and comparing careful judgment of the odds an opinion or estimate of, of so form is not worth doing in my judgment. The capacity for judging, discernment, be guided by your own judgment, showing poor judgment, the exercise of this capacity, a situation requiring, requiring careful judgment, a formal utterance of an orthative, orthative opinion, an opinion pronounced a formal decision given by a court in obligation, such as a debt created by increase of a court. These are the things of judging, but in this definition, it still tells us it's about discernment and having to discern, to judge. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. Someone can come into this church and they can look a hot mess, distraught and everything, and we'd want to lay down judgment. But the information we're missing is that we don't know if their kid or loved one is dying or hurt. Somehow they came here because they needed hope in God. They needed to know if there was a power of God. And if that person has to come in these doors and go through our judgment of what they look like in their most desperate time of need, then God help this church. God help the church. Jesus, come back now. Because we don't have information. And this should be a place, as we say, come as you are. Come as you are. And if that person is hurting and they are distraught, this is the place for them to be. To find the hope that many of us have found and not to receive our judgment, but to discern with God. In Pastor Tom's message back in May, he spoke about the seed and people not to judge because we don't know what God is doing in their lives. The seed may be dormant until God gives water, not to mention I am absent of information. The first thing people say when you judge them, if they feel you judge them, the first thing they'll tell you, you don't know me. You don't know me. And in them saying that, is saying that you have never taken the time to get to know me. And so therefore, that's why our judgment opinions 
are not to be there. My stepmom and my dad, way back in the day, adopted my four sisters. And one of them, when she got about 13, she was doing really good in school and everything, and she got about 13, she just went wild. She just went wild. She just hit the streets from 13 to 16. She fought with my stepmom and them, just not wanting to be in the house, didn't want to be at home. She just fighting and fighting, just out there. So we're thinking, okay, she hit 18, she gone. She hit 18, she started hiding in the basement. She wasn't leaving. She's still at home. Now I'm confused. You fought from 13 to 17 to 18, or from 17, that you were just always out in the streets. You would never want to come home in time. You get locked out, all this. Now you 18, and we opening in the door, and you going back the other way. I'm confused. And so I was always confused with that for, her, for a while with her. But I was back in Chicago a couple of weekends ago, and we got to talk. And she gave me the information that I was absent. She says, you think you were confused? She says, I was confused. She was like, Mama and Papa were loving me, but they weren't the ones who were supposed to be loving me. My mom and daddy were supposed to have been loving me. And she didn't know how to deal with that. And she didn't know how to process that. And she said, so I didn't want they love. Even though they were loving me, they weren't supposed to be the ones loving me. And when she gave me the information, it all made sense. It all made sense. Sarita, I love you. What can I do to help? You see, we don't know, again, behind the mask and beyond the wall, what people are having to struggle through. I'm struggling through a lot of stuff. I'm going through a lot of stuff. I'm weighed down, and now I got your judgment on top of me. And then you hit me with the oxymoron. Lift yourself up while you pile me down. Oh, my Lord. I could if you get up off of me. I'd do even better if you go away from me. If that's all you bring to me, if that's all you bring in, I don't need, and some people don't need, our weight because they already got struggling weight that's taking them down. Jesus is coming to love folks. Jesus is coming to go beyond the mass and past the wall to bring the kingdom of God is love. It's all about love. And I hope the church gets it, that that's what the kingdom is about, and that the church doesn't turn into just a religious organization trying to figure out which political party to be with, because it's more than that. It's the kingdom of God, and it's about loving our fellow man. Amen? Amen. Amen. There was a person who also told me, was telling me a story of, before I was hearing my message, they were in this training group. And one of the things was, was that they were learning to trust and all this, and they had everybody in a circle. And so then they asked, okay, so look at a person and say the first thing. And so this person, she was, they were telling me that she said that the person looked at me and said, 
I don't think you, you take care of yourself. Well, the reason why they said that, because the person was heavyset. So he looked at her and, you don't take care of yourself. So this person, we were talking, and she says, well, I understand now, we, we all carry a message. I see, like, this is my message. And I was like, I disagree. I disagree. That person don't know your message because they've never talked to you. They've never shared with you what your message. She has a message, but that person didn't see it or don't know it. You don't know people's messages just by looking at them. And everyone has a message in them. As they say, everyone has a story in them. So it's about sharing messages. It's about us sharing our message, sharing our story with one another. I think Christianity has an uphill fight because Christianity is about relationship, social interaction, but Facebook is just trying to block it. I tell you, that book of the face, <laughs> whew, that book of the face just, whew, just taking over. Everybody on the book of the face, Facebook, but I call it book of the face. I can rename it. And everybody on there, you just, the stuff that's going on on there and all of this stuff. But God wants us to be social, interacting with one another, loving one another, caring for one another. You know, having a cup of coffee with someone, putting the phone down, turning off the Facebook, meeting at a coffee shop and sharing your message, listening to other people's message. That's what we need to be doing. We got coffees and donuts galore out there. Get together, brothers and sisters, and share your message with one another on a Sunday morning. Share your messages with each other. Get you a donut and a coffee and enjoy yourself. The church is not to be this place of judgment. The church is supposed to be rocking. It's supposed to be rocking because God is on the move and Jesus is at work and the church should be rocking. You know? It's like in the South, them old Southern pastors, when they get to preaching and it's and the bill was doomed. And I knew I didn't have a way. And I knew what was gonna come down. But I tell you, Jesus. You see, the church should be rocking because everybody should be saying that in their situation. We're all out there talking about how bad it was this week, but God came through. Oh, how this looked like that, but Jesus showed up. You know what? I got to discern in this situation with Jesus, and he said, don't worry about it. Be still. It will work out. You see, we sharing coffee and sharing messages and drinking, do drinking coffee, eating donuts, and the church is rocking because Jesus is on the move. God's alive alive when people come in it's the joy they're coming into it's the sureness of God they're coming into so when that person coming in and by the time they hit that foyer they know I'm at the right place I know I'm at the right place and we're encouraging them yes you are come on down come on up to Jesus yes you are we don't know what's happening but it, we know he is the one you need he is the one, and that's what it's about. 
is moving in that way. Not to judge people. 1 Corinthians 4, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet, I am not by this adequate. But this one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who both will bring the light to things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man prays, praise will come to him from God. Amen. 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 He's telling us that in Scripture, James 4:11. Do not speak against one another. Brethren, he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Scripture tells us it is not our place to judge. It is our place to discern with God rightly, to be helpful that God may flow through us, to bring healing, to bring love, the power of Christ and everything that he can bring. But Scripture tells us it's not our place. And that's what I'm journeying in. That's what I look at. Now, I still look at something, see something. It's like, stop it, Andrew. You don't know nothing. The thing I tell myself right now, the key thing I say is, you're absent of information. You're absent of information. And I know the thing of it is, and then I say that and I stop like this, because I know now the Holy Spirit look at me. Now, if you want that information, go over there and ask. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm still a work in progress, y'all. I know. I'm still a work in progress. The pastor is. But I get it. And I understand what God is saying. And so, therefore, I ain't in the judgment business. I don't know. I have no idea. And if God wants me to know, then I will follow him to know. If he wants me to do something there, I will follow him and let him lead me into that to do something. But I'm going to approach it that I know nothing that I absolutely know nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Amen. But discerning a person in their situation, that will take me to be involved. Definition of discerning. To detect with the eye, discern, a figure approaching through the fog, to detect with senses other than vision, discern a strange odor, to recognize or identify as separate, distinct, dis, dis, discriminate, discern right from wrong, to come to know and recognize mentally unable to discern the motives, to see 
or understand the difference. This is the thing. When it comes down to discerning, there's things that we do not know. There's things that we don't have. As in we we're doing these things. That's the way it is. Discerning without vision, with the other senses, with those senses from God, with those senses that Jesus gives us to lead us and guide us and show us in the right way of which to go and how to do these things. That's the discerning thing. Because I have to be able to do this without relying just on me. But I have to rely on God in the way that he's showing me how this goes. What should I do here? What should I not do here, Lord? Help me, Lord, in this situation. Even when I feel I have the information, it still ain't for me to bring judgment. I'm still to discern. Even if I know what's going on in someone's life, and I got all the information, Pastor Andrew, I know what this, this mom is doing. I know what this dad is doing. But it don't mean you to bring judgment. Again, don't judge, discern. That means get involved with what God wants to do to help out here. How does God help this out? That's what God wants to do. And how does that? And then we learn from that place. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you will receive my word and treasure my commandment within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and stretch for her as forbidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Discerning the fear of the Lord. For me, I've discerned that it is not for me to judge. Understanding that has brought the fear of the Lord on me now. That I am not in a place to judge. Scripture tells me it is not my place to judge. Jesus says it. And so with that, I'm not judging. It is the fear of the Lord that has motivated me to be careful about that and in what I do. And discovered the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equal, equality in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Desertion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. God is about justice and fairness. And there's nothing, nothing justified in judging someone. Now, we are to judge rightly, to judge, judge the scriptures, judge the word of God. Yes, judge the prophet. But again, discerning with God so that I might know rightly what is going on, how this is to be, what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Judging that with God, the role of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. John 16, 13. But when, the spirit, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truths, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. You see, that's what it's about. Jesus is saying, I gave you the Holy Spirit. As Proverbs says, seek him, ask him for wisdom, ask him for understanding, ask him to help you discern, because Christ has given us the Holy Spirit within us to be around us, to help us walk this out, that the kingdom of God could come to planet Earth, could come to these lives that are hurting and that need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that there's something about us that people would then begin to say, there's just something different about you. I can tell, I think you're one of them born againers, ain't you? (laughs) Yes, I is. I show is, and I'm so glad I'm beginning to have that aroma. I'm so glad I'm beginning to change my life around in a way that I'm beginning to give off that aroma, that people know that, because I want them to know. I, I just believe it is truly in me. Jesus really can help people. He really can. And for as many people as hurting in in the world that's really lost, and like I say, Facebook, someone says, you just don't like technology, do you? I like technology, I just don't get Facebook. You know, I, somebody, I had somebody's one time I could look on it, so I'm looking through the thing. You know, my daughter called it a creeper or something, like when you're looking at other face, Facebook, that's creeper, you know. But I was just checking it out and I'm looking and all I see is little, was it little messages, little sayings, all these little videos, goofy stuff, video it is, some goofy stuff, play a video, and it's like, really? And it's like, keep moving in a, where's the stuff at, you know? You know, and it's like, oh. Then somebody said, oh, you gotta go over to this page. Never mind, I'm done, I'm out, you know? But again, like I said, it's the things of the human relationship is what it's about. And it's those things in caring and walking with the Holy Spirit, that he would lead us and that he would guide us into the things that God wants to do in people's lives. Now, from when Pastor Tom has been speaking and the things that I've been speaking, in the past, again, most recently, I've talked with people about being drunk on self. I've been totally convinced that Christianity is a sobriety program. We are all recovering selfaholics. We're all in a sobriety program. We've all been drunk on self. Because the theme here is that it's not about you. It's not about me. That's what I've learned through all of these messages and everything. And the biggest of our struggle, we'll find it's about, it's the I in it. But God, I this, I that. I have a video I want to show you. Before they show it, it's a movie called The Book of Eli. The movie's called The Book of Eli. And it's just a particular scene in there. This guy was on a journey, and he's traveling to get 
this Bible somewhere. And now it's getting closer to the end for him doing that. But he, he explains to this young lady he's with who she ended up on the journey with him. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. Let me give you this. Do not go and watch this movie and then say the pastor told me to. Okay? There's got some violence in it. It's pretty gray and stuff. I, I had Sharon Chassie watch it one time, and she came back. She's like, eh, it had some pretty gray spots in there. And I didn't notice that until I was like, yeah, it is pretty dark and gray. But anyway, I want to show this scene. What he said in there, he said he got so caught up in protecting that book and keeping it in this movie that he forgot to do what he's learned to live by. And that was to do more for others than he did for himself. I always say that Christianity is a sobriety program because one, it is a part of the human fall. It's the nature of things. That's why it's easy for us to judge and stuff because it's about me. Because it's about, and when Eve was in the garden and the serpent said to her, well, you know, God don't want you to do this, eat from this tree because he know you'll be like him. Again, see, there it is. Oh, really? I could be like, oh, me. And then forevermore, that's where we were, being like that. You see, the other thing of it is we got it honestly. We got it honestly. Everyone was brought up to be drunk on self. Everyone was. You know, you graduated kindergarten, and it was like, oh, you graduated. Here's a little cup of you. And you drank. You know? Oh, I graduated the eighth grade. Here's a glass of you, buddy. Drink up. You, you graduated the eighth grade. You know? Oh, I graduated college. Hey, here's a bottle of you. There you go. You graduated college. You know what? We're getting married. Oh, you guys are. Here's a couple of bottles of y'all. Yeah, for y'all. You know? We bought a house. Ooh, we got cases of y'all, man. Y'all bought a house. 
There you go, a couple of cases of that. Compared to what? Compared to you graduated kindergarten. That's great. Now let's thank God that he gave you that wisdom and he helped you. That's great, baby. You graduated the eighth grade. Oh, that's good. Now let's thank God for that and let's pray to God to continue to lead you on as you go. Oh, you graduated college. Let's, that's great. That's good that you did that. Let's thank God for what he's given you. Oh, y'all got married. Oh, let's, oh, that's so wonderful. Y'all a lovely couple. But let's thank God and let's ask God to be a part of y'all marriage because marriage is work. And you gonna need him. You sure gonna need him. Facebook ain't gonna help you with that one. I don't care how much you go up and down. It ain't in there on Facebook. And you're gonna need him. And so then it's like we thank you and God be a part of that. Oh, you got a house. Oh, that's wonderful. Now let's have a house blessing. Invite us over. We're going to pray room to room and bless your house. Because you see, our lives are not separate from God. It is never meant to be. Once we come into this program of Christianity, it is not a religion. And it is not about me. It is about me now being a slave and a servant of the Most High. It's about that. But I struggle because I'm drunk on self. And every once in a while, I relapse. Because I'm supposed to go do something. But then, what about me and this? I go take a drink. You know, because it's, I just relapse. It's like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I repent. It ain't about me. It ain't about me. You know? When someone needs help and all that stuff, and like I say, helping people always comes at the most convenient time. It does. Right when I get home and I'm hungry and I'm about to eat something, hey, can you come and help me do this? I really would. All right. Take a bite and go home. You know? I never get a call after I got home, had a nap, ate real well, just sitting in the chair. Ah, nobody calls then where I'm ready to go now. Hey, can you come help? It's like they watch. <laughs> you know? That's why I don't go on Facebook. <laughs> Last Sunday, Pastor Tom spoke about forgiveness, God's rules and guidance for letting go of the hurt and the offense, moving from victim to victory. In that process, we learn it's not about me. Even then, I have to let go of what happened to me. I have to forgive that person. Jesus is asking me to. It's not about you, Andrew. Let it go. But you don't understand, Lord. You see, Lord, you don't get it. And he's on the cross like, tell me about it, Andrew. Tell me how bad it is. How you being misjudged. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind, Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul is saying, you got to change. You can't keep doing the same things and have a knowledge of God. I can't. 
And the only things I'm doing is living for me. It's about me. When it's not about me, then I'm doing God's stuff. It was Pastor Joel who said in one of his sermons, he said, we have the identity of sons and daughters of the Most High, but the rights of slaves and servants. We are slaves and servants to God, but not to each other. See, I'm God's slave, and I'm his servant. And we have to put these things in in the right capacity of, of what it is, to not abuse each other in the fact that, well, you're a Christian, you posted this, you posted that. No, I ain't supposed to do nothing like that. You know? I listen to God and what he wants me to do. And God's not sending none of us out there to just be abused and used. No. He is sending us out there to help against things and during our time to be his representative. And that's what we're doing. And that's why I said, my life doesn't belong to me. I'm a servant and a slave of the Most High, as he would use me, as he would do, and have me do. It's how I learn to live and where I learn to go in those things for where we're going. Pastor Tom had said in one of his messages that one of the things that makes our Christianity difficult is that we're more about our stuff than God's stuff. Back in one of his messages, he said that. And that's what the struggle is. Whenever we have a struggle, I just say, look at where you're at. How much is that about you and how much is it about God? I can't trust God. I don't know if I can trust God. Well, if I can't trust God, who am I relying on? Me. On me. There I go again, taking a drink of me because I can't trust God, but I can. We always can trust God. That's what he's there for. If the worship team would come on up. Would you rise, please? We are to be discerning with God in the situations with people. I'm going to ask you if you close your eyes and then we'll go into a prayer. The situations that you may know right now that you need to ask God to forgive you for some of the judgments you've made in situations and on people. During this time right now, we may need to ask God to increase that Holy Spirit, the measure of Holy Spirit in us, that we can start to discern more than so that we can judge rightly. And for some of us, We need to remove the mask and push the wall down. We need to rise up because some of us have been judging ourselves pretty harshly. 
and we need to rise up and discern with the Holy Spirit what is God really saying about me what is the truths that God really wants me to know that we would begin to put down our worldly goggles put our worldly goggles down and we pick up our God goggles to how we see things and how we see people. As we sing our songs of open my eyes, Lord, I want to see like you. Yes, let's put on the godly eyes when we look at people. And let's know one thing for sure that as we judge, we are absent of information. And if this person or this situation concerns me so much, then I need to discern with God where to go and how to go. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to have people down here, prayer teams, that would pray with you. You can come down here and we will talk to you about Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. There will be prayer teams down here if you want to have prayer for something. So Father, as we go forth now, we repent. Father, we repent. We walk out of here with a fear of the Lord that you have said in your word, you have made it clear that judgment is not ours to pass. Unless it is did discerning so that we may judge rightly. Help us to judge rightly, Father. Holy Spirit, continue to convict us all when we start, that machine starts to run and play stuff that needs to, that we may say, I'm absent of information. And Holy Spirit, would you help us where we feel we have the information to make the judgment? Because we know what this mama doing with her kid. We know how this dad isn't here. We know this and we know that. Would you again help us discern rightly in how you want to come into this situation or if you don't? Father, we thank you so much. We give to you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed.